0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Michael Vandervoort, and this is Drive Through HR. It's the first time uh, in a while that we've done a show, uh, and Robin was able to make it, even though I set this up just a couple days ago. Robin, welcome to Drive Through, and it's October. I can't believe it.
1: It is October, and um, you know, as we say every time we come back on the air together, maybe we're back in the swing of things. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> busy, busy fall already.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was traveling last week. So I don't travel as much in the new job as I as I have been, but I was down in Dallas. We did a excuse me, we did a labor labor relations uh get-together for some folks and had about 30 people in a room talking about what's going on with the NLRB, which is we won't get into all that, but it's super crazy. So that was a big deal last week for me uh, at work. What's going on with you over there at Human Resources?
1: We are uh we are rocket and rolling at humor so we've got uh we've got our our uh HROI Summit coming up at the end of the month that uh, Sarah Morgan and and some other folks are working on um so I'm just on the sidelines of that cheering them on but um now yeah, we're busy. it's uh you know you and I saw each other at Rec Fest. we're um, heading to HR Tech next week um so yeah, all kinds of stuff.
0: I'm continuing my streak of never going to HR tech. So that's (laughs) that's, one of these years I'll make it. I do. And I know we're keeping our guests away from the microphone for just a second. Excuse us, Ken, we'll get to you in one second. Uh, It was great to see you at RecFest. And I think that like we we should have probably done a show after that because it was a really cool event Mm -hmm. and want to do do a shout out to them. Um, If if you're in the HR side, especially in talent acquisition, and you've never been, uh, if they bring it back around next year, which I believe they will strongly yes, recommend going going to rec fest it, it's a really uh a really kick-ass kind of conference event and it's different than most of us most of the ones that we go to so check that out jamie leonard and his team did a great job amen all right so let's pivot now sorry ken our our guest today is ken eller ken welcome to drive through hr how are you doing today
2: I'm doing great. Um, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me
0: on. Uh, I, I, we're we're glad to have you. And I know we're kind of like what Robin and I are out of practice. We haven't done a show in a few weeks. So our banter extended a little longer, but welcome <laughs> to drive through. Uh, let's start out by having you actually introduce our, yourself to our listeners and talk about uh, what you do.
2: Sure. Thanks. So, um, yeah. So I am I'm calling from the New York area. I uh, live outside of New York City and uh, been here long enough to I think, be a New York native. Um, I'm a husband, a father, a musician, and I also happen to be the head of people science for a company called Radical. Um, and so w- what that means is I'm focused on research, thought leadership, like uh, the report we're going to uh, talk about today. Um, but I'm also doing a lot of research that that's going into our product design. Uh, algorithmic stuff that that's going to show up eventually in our product that we'll be releasing uh, in alpha this year and then uh, later in 2024 um, and then I also do some advisory work for uh, some of our clients as well.
0: So I, I'm going to jump in front of Rob and I have a two-part question. Number one, um, are you anywhere near the vicinity of the Trump trial?
2: I'm not. No, uh, I try to <laughs> avoid all things po- political, particularly when I'm being it's, recorded.
0: I just know, I just know there was like a massive crowd of reporters outside the building cause I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> um, and secondly, uh, probably a frivolous question, but what, what's the overlap between music and people analytics and people science?
2: Oh my gosh. What a good question. Um, so I think, well, there's also an overlap with radical, the company radical. So, uh, Pat Riley and Dan Riley, the founders, are also musicians. There, there's a real artistic streak in, in our, uh, yeah. our company. And what I would say, having been a musician uh, most of my life, as anybody who plays music knows that music's very mathematical at the, at the end of the day with, you know, with beats and timings and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so um, I think the way we approach our work and the, the way we approach work experience um is a really good balance of right brain left brain we're is super creative but we're also deep into people analytics and uh data driven decision making as well yeah. so i think it's a really good really good mix for us very and cool for me personally it's, it's it's taken me places in my life uh that i've been grateful to go to
1: hmm. well that's that old um you know long held uh i think truism that that um Math and music balance each other very well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, let's um let's dive into a little bit uh actually about Radical, which um you know a, a cool name first of all. Um, but um, tell us about the company um and Radical and and what's what y'all do
2: yeah so radical is a human capital technology and advisory company as i mentioned we're working in the product space we'll uh we'll have some releases coming up uh end of this year into 2024 and we also do advisory uh work for for our clients in in the human capital space broadly we do strategy analytics and change work mostly around the employee experience culture and engagement people analytics, uh, et cetera. Our mission really is to create epic work experiences for everyone. Um, and that's really what's, that drives us. We think it's pretty broken for, for many companies and we think companies need a lot of work with this. And it, and part of the reason we named ourselves radicals, we really take a creative approach to this. And we think sometimes, particularly with the state of HR, the state of work experience, uh, it's going to take some pretty radical interventions to do things differently and start thinking about things differently.
0: Hmm. Yeah, um, and, and so you you mentioned that obviously you're, you're, you're head of people science, um, which that's just one of many things that I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I guess you, you use data and research to try to figure out how to make work better is kind of what I wrap my head around. So you just did this report um, that I guess is the title is the state of the work experience. So, And that's kind of what, when when we were going back and forth about getting you on the show, that's kind of what I was interested in, because that is something that has changed so much. So I'm really curious about the report and kind of, you know, set us up for what it is, and then we'll we'll talk through some some of what you learned.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you go to RadicalWork.com, that's R-A-D-I-C-L-W-O-R-K.com, uh, you can find the report on our website. And you know, just the background of the report. So, like you said, so much has changed uh, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, post-pandemic. That you know, we had a hypothesis that just sort of seeing what's been going on, and we've been lifelong students and practitioners of culture engagement experience. We had this hypothesis that things were sort of really terribly broken and maybe getting more broken. Um, uh, the thought that employee engagement is likely a dead concept that you know we've sort of missed it. You know we, you know how many times can you hear Gallup come out with a report saying thirty percent of employees are engaged? And <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing next year, you know, plus or minus a few points. and and we sort of act like that's okay. Um, so we set out to do a, a very different study to not really even look at engagement, to, but to take a couple steps back before engagement and think about, what the experience is for people, we want to know what is it now? What does it feel like? What could it be? what it sh- what should it be? What's in the way? And what can we do about it? And what can companies start doing about it? to really, again, in our hypothesis that that we really have to start thinking about this very, very differently, um, mm-hmm. much more holistically to get into it. so we we did a research uh, study in partnership with Question, Question Pro, Pro uh, u s employees. And looked at all these things through both quantitative and qualitative uh, in, input from employees across a broad uh, range of uh, industries, levels, tenure, generation, etc. Okay.
1: And and you dove into quite a quite a number of areas and, and kind of broke the report down into some key key findings. Um, what were some of the most interesting things that that you discovered that came out of of the state of work so
2: well i think unfortunately (laughs) for a lot of employees our our hypotheses were validated so Mm. what we found was uh, about eight out of ten employees really don't have a uh, a fully epic work experience as it could be, as we've defined it as we have an acronym for a radical work experience. And, and so, I mean, two out of 10 do, uh, but eight out of 10 don't. And, and when we looked at the qualitative data, the, the comments where we asked people to describe their work experience, we heard things like exhausted, overwhelmed, um, soul sucking, you know, I mean, it was just not pretty. Huh. What we heard back from from employees about the the, from the state of the work experience, and and you know more specifically, what we wanted to do in addition to sort of you know say, hey, we've got a problem here, was really really wanted to focus on action orientation and what companies could do about it differently. And so what we looked at mm-hmm. was a range of drivers across what we call the five Ps, and when we and so like you know, most uh, studies in the HR space will look at programmatic things like uh, pay and benefits and learning mm-hmm. opportunities. So we looked at that, but, but we also, these five P's, we talk about people, places, products, processes and programs to understand mm-hmm. really holistically. Cause when, you know, one of the things that's been going on is it's this like of rush to get back in the office and then all oh, we'll will be good. will be good. And we just really didn't believe that. So we wanted to see, well, where does the office or the home office come into play uh, mm-hmm. with this? And, and not surprisingly, it doesn't have a whole lot of impact on the work experience. So, there's, there's uh, lots of things that we learned from that, but, and we can go into more detail. But, really, the big headlines is it's not looking good for a lot of employees. Yeah. Some effort is being placed in the wrong places, and there's some different things we can do so that employees can have a more radical employee experience that's really full of meaning, clarity, and connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So a follow up on on that piece before the next question, Um, you know, in the, in terms of the methodology, it's not, I don't, I really want to delve too deep into the methodology, but like, what like, so like there are companies that pride themselves on being on the great place to work list or whatever. Right. We have a great culture, this and that. Mm-hmm. What, what was the, what was the typical company or or was there not a typical, I, I so I guess I'm trying to understand like, who were you talking to and where did they come from?
2: Yeah. So the, these were employees. Um, we focused on the U S but it, so it ranged, I think maybe 11 or 12 different industries from healthcare, pharma, financial services, retail, business services, uh, big tech, and uh, telecom uh, grouping, but it wasn't really focused on any one specific industry. And, and these, these people ranged in all sorts of functions in the organization, the, the size of the company range, uh, the, the largest segment was actually companies with over 50,000 uh, employees, mm-hmm. uh, but it went down to the lowest cut we used was a uh, thousand employees. Uh, But the majority of it were well, you know, well above 5,000 employee
0: companies. So it's it's some pretty significant from level. Yeah, some pretty significant sized uh, organizations, it sounds like. So they not not small companies with, you know, shallow pockets or that kind of thing. So interesting. So you mentioned um, that what you you defined as the epic experience at work or the radical work experience. What is that? What does that look
2: like? Yeah, so, so um, when we set up to do the study, uh, we wanted to, to really dig into what is it that matters to employees? What do they want to get out of work to, to be most fulfilled and, and uh, doing their best work? And so RADICAL is an acronym for reason, meaning people have a why. They're connected to their own purpose and the purpose of the company. They have accomplishment. They're actually making meaningful progress and impact they've got a clear direction. They know where they're going. They know where the company's going. They've got a sense of identity. This is a really big one. Mm. Um, people see them, the whole person both in and out of work, it, it, you know, being human. They, they, they're mm-hmm. not just an employee, they're human um, connection, trusted connection That you know, both um, within their team and across levels in the organization and then learning. So people have to be growing, developing, advancing, and regenerating. And, and what we found is there are many employees that have some of these, even most of them, but missing one or two. And when you're missing one or two of these things, it's actually really detrimental on the experience. It's detrimental on employee outcomes, it's detrimental on company outcomes. And where the, the, the groups of employees that we saw that have all of these things, the productivity is off the charts, engagements off the charts, retention's off the charts, Uh, and they're more likely to be part of a company that is growing and profitable than if they don't have this. Like on the flip side, uh, there's some employees that we looked at that we would say have like a, a, either a toxic experience, meaning it's really low on identity and connection and trust. And then some that we just called like a meh, meaning it's kind of middle of the road. It's just kind of boring and nothing really stands out. And that's almost as bad as the toxic experience because people are just like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not sure where we're going. I'm not sure if we're getting anything done. You know, it's not toxic, but it's pretty bad. Um, So we, we saw a really strong connection to both individual and company outcomes when people have all of these things. I think
0: uh, I think Robin may have uh, had to step away for a minute, but we're, we're going to continue on um, and hopefully she gets back to join us. Work uh, looks like it was calling. Um, Ken, so let's, let me let me just do a quick reset. We're about two thirds of the way through the show. Uh, this is Michael yeah. Vandervoort and Robin Schooling is, is on the line, but not right at this minute. And our guest is Ken Eller from Radical. And we're talking about the state of the work experience report that they just recently completed as a research project, Ken, is the director of people science. And so this is, they're taking a look at what the state of employment looks at right now, which is a question I think everybody's asking, and there's tons of opinions, but not a lot of answers. So, so the, and welcome back, Robin. Um, I was just pivoting to the next question. So, and Ken, that is, so why does this matter? What, what makes a radical work experience better and why does it matter?
2: Yeah, so uh, we were uh, talking about some of the connections that that we found. Um, we wanted to also make sure that this, this matters, both to employees and uh, to companies. And so we found some really powerful uh, connections. For example, employees that have a radical experience have five times the rate of retention, four times the rate of engagement, two times the level of individual productivity versus those that do not, or that people that have a toxic or a purposeless experience. Um, We also found that people that have this fully radical experience, meaning they're firing on all cylinders of that reason, accomplishment, direction, identity, connection, and learning, are twice as likely to be working for a company that's strong growth and strong productivity than those that do not. So there's a really compelling reason that Business leaders need to be paying attention to this, start thinking about this differently to to deliver value to employees first. But also, you know, we would argue that we have a moral obligation to people to deliver this. If you think about people are working uh, 90,000 hours over the course of their career on average, that is a lot of time to be miserable or just not to be that fulfilled, not sure where you're going, not sure if you're making a meaningful impact. Um, because it can be great, it can be epic, um, and we need to really figure out how to do that. And, and not only is it just a great thing for that to happen for for people, um, this really serves companies and, and business value as well when this when this happens.
1: Hmm. I, I'm interested in diving a little deeper into um, one of the five P's you mentioned that you focused on in the study, which was places. Yeah and uh which included taking a look at kind of the interplay between um work from home, hybrid work uh office design, and your footprint real estate footprint. you kind of looked at all of those things um yeah what what were what were any any surprising findings that you found, or did it just did it come across? I would assume loud and clear that you know return to the office for the sake of return to the office is not the answer.
2: Yeah. So I, I think that that's pretty clear. Uh, you know, the other thing that's, that's clear is um, that we have to somehow break through this uh, get in the office. I want to work from home debate, this sort of binary yeah. debate. Um, I think what, what is pretty clear and, and it comes from the employees themselves. We ask, you know, how many days a week do you want to work in the office? And most are landing on, two to three, sometimes four. Um, So people actually do want to come into the office. Hmm. Sorry about that, that little noise in the background. Um, So people really do want to come into the office, but when you look at, um, what we really wanted to push on was what we're hearing a lot from management is, you know, we're worried about productivity and if people can just get back in the office, that's going to solve some of the problems around productivity mm-hmm. because that people will connect, they'll connect back to the culture. What we found was 80% of the people on, in the study said the office, as it currently states, has no impact on culture or my sense mm-hmm. of trusted connection with people. So it's not that we, we should you know, just dismiss the office. We have to rethink it because it's not working in its current form. It's not working for the way work is done. Um, And and the office itself as a driver does not have significant impact on the work experience, but it it does have these uh, knock on effects if you get it right, because there are times when people need to come together to work. There are times when people need to come together to work in teams, but more often than not, and this gets to another one of our findings. More often now, people are on fluid and distributed teams now. Two thirds of right. people are working on these distributed teams. So if you get if you go into the office just to get on a Zoom call, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads and saying, "Why am I doing this?"
0: Right. You, you know, uh, last I mentioned that we ran a, a, a labor relations oriented meeting last week, and in in kind of after the after hours in a discussion, we had a chat about cubicles and hot desking and you know coming to the office and what what's the right workspace and all that kind of stuff which I guess is another kind of place right it's not am I at the office or working at my home but it's like what what is my work environment inside the office like um, yeah. and and it was interesting that you know what what many companies have seen to buy as the consensus that you need to be flexible and have open spaces and it builds like none of the people I was talking with, which was five or six people feel like that's really a good environment to work in for them or others. And yet that's what their company is doing. Did you guys get into that kind of detail or is, is that too, too down in the weeds?
2: No, we did. We actually did ask about um, office design and what was really interesting. Is we, we found a similar thing that, that, you know, these open designs aren't necessarily what people want anymore, but I'm not sure people want to go back to cubicle farms either. So what we did find was the, the things that were more linked to people saying, this office is really working for me, what was more about the common spaces and the, uh, the meeting rooms that could serve, and this was sort of a, a, the way we asked it in the state, could serve all types of teams, both. Uh, synchronous, asynchronous, uh, distributed, and on-site. So if you if mm-hmm. you're working on a distributed team, you need and this was one of the, the calls to action was you can't just think about the place. You have to think about the people, the processes, the technology, and the place together. Mm-hmm. And how that so you've got new new skills of people working on distributed teams. You have to think about your processes of how you bring these teams together either virtually or uh, digitally, um, you have to, we really have to start thinking about the, the office footprint, the types of rooms, how big they are, and then the technology within so that it works for everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, if you design for distributed first, it, it will then work for everybody on site and people uh, that are calling in. And that's mm-hmm. really, you know, the thing that we started to find was. Um, people were really saying solve for distributed in the office design, because just getting in there, if it's the same old stuff and the same old technology, that's where a lot of the frustration is. And again, I think people are just scratching their head when it's like, well, why would I want to do this? If, if, you know, I'm just going in to get on a zoom call on technology and my home office technology setup is better than this.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Or I can save time driving in and get more work done. and Yeah, we spend exactly. billions, billions of dollars, it seems, over the decades. And, and every time you think we have it figured out, it changes. So I don't know if they're anyway, <laughs> I've lost track of whose question is which, Robin. So I'm going to ask the next one. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll fabulous.
1: We'll
0: be just about out of time. So can go back up to 30,000 feet. Um, you know, and, and just in general, trying to hack this problem of work experience and, and making it, you know, as epic as possible to steal your term. What what, what should employers be doing right now?
2: So, uh, the, you know, one of the things that we were really talking about in the and in looking at the study was, one, asking the question, why has it gotten so bad? And I think there's a few culprits here, one, one being organizational silos and inside out thinking. So, you know, the benefits department is doing something for people that the learning and development department doesn't really coordinate with. And then you've got real Mm -hmm. estate doing something and et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's totally fragmented. So um, that's one thing that the, and then solving for the wrong thing. So I mentioned, you know, so if you look at most talent strategies, there's, there's typically some statement in there about this is about attracting retaining and engaging talent and these are all perfectly good things businesses need that um, but these are things that benefit the business more than the employees and if you think about what if you're solving for that then you're going to have some shiny objects to attract people in you're going to think about how do you engage people in performance which is why we see you know maybe some over indexing on performance management and things like that and then retaining people um, at its best as it is a, is a good thing, but uh, you know, and it's worse. Sometimes you'll see, um, you know, you've got people who are stuck. You've you've done such a good job retaining Mm -hmm. people uh, that you may have actually prisoners uh, in your organization that shouldn't be or don't want to be there. So the first thing we would say is you really just have to reorient to what employees need. And that's where we go back to this radical work experience, which again, it's, it's all about meaning, clarity, and connection. Meaning for me as a person, am I I connecting to my identity, to my purpose? Am I clear where I'm going? Am I clear where the company's going? And and do I have this connected trust with the people I'm working with that's really the rocket fuel of performance? And if if companies would just start there and then say, well, what do we have to do? How might Mm -hmm. we develop for meaning, clarity, and connection um, and get all those people across the five P's in the same room at the same time, mm-hmm. asking that same question, we might get a lot better uh, answers to that uh, and, and less of the fragmentation. I mean, just as, you know, statistic, I mean, you probably heard this you know, the average company has 80 plus people facing technology apps. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, you know, it, uh, inside out development, silo development, that's how that happens. If, if we design yeah. together, as an organization from the CEO's perspective to say, well, how might we develop a meaning clarity and connection for people so that they can do their best work here, their best work. Yeah. It, yeah. It'll work out for everybody. If we could just start there. And that, that's probably the simplest thing, but it, it's, it's harder to do than said, but that's, that's sort of the biggest mindset shift mm-hmm. and planning shift that would need to take place.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're an HR show for HR folks and, i think we uh, we in hr tend to um so often in our organizations think well it's our job to to sort of solve this quandary or um, come up with solutions to create connections or help people find their purpose whatever it may be and and so it's done in this in this silo of hr and it's just it's yet another initiative, I'm using air quotes, as I say that, that that's rolled out and rolled downhill, instead of really what I hear you saying so strongly, Ken, is that integration across all pieces of the organization, across all aspects of work. Um, that's really what needs to happen. And and to make this sort of shift, it can't just be the C-suite, or it can't just be HR. It's it's everybody it's it's bottom bottom up uh, as well and side to side
2: yeah yeah i mean if you think about those five p's we talked about i mean you've got every every yeah function in the organization at that yep. point it, it is the ceo it's the ceo it's head of real estate it's uh definitely chro um it's The employees themselves it's you know leaders you know leaders across the organization so it it, and this is a business critical issue it's not just an hr issue
0: yeah yeah well and ken with that we have pretty much hit our hit our window of time Uh, in fact i think we've run a couple minutes over so we appreciate your flexibility um why don't uh why don't we head out with you uh, maybe sharing any final thoughts you might have and then tell people where they can find you or the report or your company, whatever that information of that type you want to share.
2: That sounds great. So, I, I mean, the last thing I, I would leave people with is is really just a challenge for all of us for the, as HR and business professionals. Is If we think about, you know, it's, we lay out why this inside-out siloed approach really isn't working. So we have to stop that. Mm-hmm. And I guess the challenge I would have is how can we go from inside out to employees all the way past and just skip right past outside in for employees and go straight to co-create with people. So we have to put the power of experience back in the hands of the people. And so this is where radical is really going. It's thinking about how do we empower people on their own work journey? It's not just moments that matter. It's not just jobs. It's not just skills. It's a complete work journey. And how do we empower them with what they need when they need it, have an epic work journey. Mm-hmm. And so that, and that again, it's, it, 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 this is what we mean when we say, you know, we've got to get radical. I mean, we've really got to think about this very, very differently. Um, and, and I think people themselves are gonna have the best answers because the, one, of, one of the other things we found is that uh, there's a lot more individuality in everybody's work journey once you start talking to people about their own stories um that we really need to understand and it's going to be very very difficult to to design that for for everyone without technology on your side but ultimately without putting the power back in their hands to navigate themselves so that that would be my my last thought uh that coming out of the study and just again my challenge for for all of us as hr professionals um i'd love to hear from from anybody who is excited by this you you can reach me uh, on LinkedIn, Ken Oler, uh O E H L E R. You can find me on uh, radicalwork.com. That's R A D I C L W O R K dot com. Um, again, and, and thanks for so much for having me on the, on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yes, I'd love to hear. Uh, yeah, I'd love likewise for some people.
0: We we appreciate you being a guest. We always like having a you know. Uh, good, uh, good thinker and, and mm-hmm. scientists are welcome here as well. So uh, thanks for being our guest today, Ken. I appreciate it, Robin. I hope you have a great week. You too. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and end the show.